I am so grateful for that. Thank you so much. God will take care of you. What wonderful words. Anybody here today in a mess? We can get ourselves in a big pack of trouble very easily, can't we? And this day and age, it seems like there is not a shortage of hearing these news stories where you just know this world is truly going down the tubes. It just seems like it's going bonkers, isn't it? And here's one for you that I saw some time ago where there was a youth pastor that was charged with calling in a bomb threat to his church. Have you heard about that? He told the troopers there, he called 911 about 6.30 from the church and that there was a bomb in the church. And they got there, they cleared the building, they went through, couldn't find a bomb, but the service was canceled at 6 p.m. or at 7 p.m. And he finally confessed to the state troopers, yes, it was he. He'd been serving there two years as their youth pastor and he was scheduled to preach that night because their regular routine pastor was out of town, but he wasn't prepared to preach the sermon, so he called in a bomb threat. You talk about a mess. I, I wonder if this guy known as Jonah thought about calling in a bomb threat. Of course, back in that day, there would have not been telephones or bombs or dynamite. It was simpler times, but we still had the same kind of moral condition, did we not? It never ceases to amaze me, friends, the messes that people get themselves into. We get ourselves overextended in so many ways, shapes, and forms, whether it's financially or emotionally. And one question I think that I hear then more than any other these days is, how in the world did I get in this mess? And I can tell that some of you have been there and you know what I'm talking about. And that's what we're going to talk about today. How did I get in this mess? Because oftentimes the answer is, is that we try to live outside of God's will. And when you ignore God's will, when you refuse to live by godly principles, I'm going to tell you today, you are just asking for trouble in your life. And nobody illustrates this better than the guy known as Jonah. He's a classic example of somebody on the run from God. And that's what we've been looking at all month long here in the middle of this summer is running with God. Because you know today that so many people are running away from God. They are running from God. And what this story teaches us and really shows us is that we do best when we run to God and when we run with God. And Jonah's story clearly teaches us that. This story that we find here is uh, one that is often overshadowed by the tale of the whale, as you know, because everybody just seems to stop in their tracks when they hear about the story, and that's all. They're just mesmerized by this large whale. And it's kind of like people can't separate the two. It's sort of like the famous uh, couples in history, Anthony and Cleopatra, or Bonnie and Clyde, or Romeo and Juliet. People just think Jonah and the whale. But this Old Testament book, if you really stop and look at it, has nothing to do about this well. It's all focused on this guy Jonah and whether he's going to obey God and follow God or whether he's going to run in the opposite direction. You know, there's an old saying out there that says truth is stranger than fiction. And I believe many times that's true. And the book of Jonah proves just that point. Uh, when a person catches a fish, regardless of how 
large they say the fish is, we just tend to agree and accept that as truth. But if a fish catches a person, we tend to think that's fiction. And Jonah here is a story that sounds like fiction. Now, you can see, as we've just read this text today, that Jesus was certainly aware of this story and pointed to it there in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 12. He said, For as Jonah was three days and nights in the belly of the great fish, so also will the Son of Man be in the belly of the earth for three days and three nights. Now, in the Old Testament, we catch up with Jonah who's on the run. And anybody here ever been on the run? I'll never forget the time in my life where I was on the run from God. I kid you not. I was in church. I was doing everything I thought I needed to be doing. And all of a sudden, one day out of the blue, the Lord said, I want you to preach for me. And I said, no way, no how. And I started running. I literally really started running in life as fast as I could get away from that call because I had other plans, I had other things I wanted to do. And when I started running, I'm going to tell you, I went in a period of about six months of almost what you would say is a spiritual kind of depression because I'm telling you, all the doors were closed, all the windows were sealed, and I couldn't do anything, couldn't go anywhere. I looked for a job for six months, I kid you not. I applied to so many Fortune 500 companies. I mean, like 350 letters went out. I had 80-some interviews. Even had a couple people, like the vice president of this one company up in Columbus, he said, you know, I think you ought to be in ministry. <laughs> right out of the blue. And the lady uh, said later, you could have sued us because of this kind of uh, bringing in uh, uh, religion into this, but I kid you not, everywhere I went, there was a shut door and window. Here we find Jonah doing the same thing, and we catch up with him running. In fact, if he was alive today, he would probably be attending UNLV because he was the original running rebel, was he not? <laughs> And he got off to a bad start with God, and then he did everything he could do to make it worse. First he resisted, and then he rebelled, and finally he started this time of running. And the story reaches us uh, really in a lot of ways here, but primarily teaches us that, you know, how we can get into a mess, but even more importantly, how we can get out of it. And friends, we're in a mess these days in our society, are we not? Let's face it, people are running wild these days with crazy concepts, silly ideas, and we need revival. And I can tell you like they've said of old, what happens in our churches is going to determine what happens in our cities. And are we going to preach the gospel? Are we going to tell people the truth? Are we going to offer real hope to people? That's what Jonah was tasked with doing. And you can't run from God, and you can't hide either. It kind of reminds me of that old tale about the young boy that was out, just this tiny kid. He was riding his bicycle in circles around and around and around and around the block, and finally somebody asked him, what are you doing? Where are you going? And the little boy said, I'm running away from home. <laughs> and they said, running away from home? You're never going to get anywhere just going around the block. And he said, my mom won't let me cross the street. <laughs> And friends, that is exactly what happens, is it not, when we try our best to run from God. You will not outrun from God, and you cannot hide from God. There's no place that you can go to escape. 
Now, when you make sense here of God calling you to do something, you better respond and you better run with God because if you don't, your life will become one problem after another. And in Jonah, we learn a lot of lessons. I trust that you've had a chance to revisit this four-chapter book of the Old Testament, which is such a blessing to us as believers. And I'm going to tell you, it is just so relevant, is it not, to our day? Some people talk about some of these prophecies that took place back in the minor prophets. They're like so far out in advance of things that are happening in our world at the time, but how relevant it is for us today. But notice some of the lessons that we glean from this. First of all, there is a disobedience here that brings discipline. That's clear in this story. It's a call of God on the life of Jonah. There's a call to go to Nineveh, but then there's a cry against it. And we all have that. It's human nature. That command seems so simple. Go to Nineveh. It was indeed a great city. This was the capital of Assyria at the time. I mean, uh, the king's palace, they say, was something like five acres, had 71 rooms. Even the hallways were like 180 feet long, 40 feet wide. It was an amazing kind of thing, an incredible complex. And this city here back in the day in this empire was enclosed, they tell us, by something like eight miles of walls, 15 gates, and had a population of something like a quarter of a million people. Some say even larger than that in the surrounding community. But it was a wicked city. These people were going wild. It was riotous living. In fact, if you have the living version of the Bible and look in there in verse 2, it says, their sin stunk to high heaven. Maybe you can smell something like that today in our world. The evil here in this day had become so putrid in the nostrils of a holy God that he decided to send a preacher by the name of Jonah to give them a choice, either repent or face retribution. But there was a problem. Jonah didn't want to go. We call it, in fact, a complex that we can note today even in our world among our modern day churches, the Jonah complex. This attitude, oh yeah, we need to send somebody to do it, but not me, I'm busy. This was the idea of Jonah, and we face it today, the Jonah complex. And so Jonah became a guy on the run, and he was running hard too. The Lord just asked him to go about 500 miles, but instead he takes up and goes to Tarshish, headed west 2,500 miles. And these are crucial cities. Nineveh here represents the will of God and Tarshish represents our will. And you know what? Every day we all go to one or two of these cities. You're either going to go to the Ninevehs of life or you're going to go to Tarshish. God allows you to make the choice, but we need to remember every time you choose Tarshish over Nineveh, there's going to be a cost. When he found the ship going to Tarshish, the Bible said he paid the fare. And I remind you today that God does not want you to blow your life. God doesn't want you to waste your gifts. He's got a plan for your life. He's got a purpose he created for you. He has blessed you with incredible gifts, a fantastic gift set, and he's calling upon you to serve him. I remind you today that God does not want you to blow your life. And I know some people have been paying the price for a long time. Maybe that's you today. There's an emotional strain. There's a spiritual strain that really eats at the heart of someone when they start running from God. 
I love what it said in chapter 2, verse 5. Here's a guy that's down at the bottom, and it says, seaweed was wrapped around my head. I can imagine this guy being bummed out at the bottom of the sea. Everything's falling apart, and maybe you feel that way today. Maybe your life, you feel, is in shambles, and you've been running. Your life, it feels, is coming apart at the seam. What will it take for God to get your attention? Are you waiting for the seaweed to start circling your head? Don't waste your life, but instead use it and make it count for the purpose that God intended for you. God cares enough for you that he's going to use any means necessary to gain your attention. And whenever you run with God, he pays the fare. But whenever you run from God, you're going to pay the fare. And we need to remember that when we run from God and we disobey God, the trip is always going to be longer and more costly, and it's going to be more difficult. Evil will take you farther than you want to go, keep you longer than you want to stay, and cost you more than you want to pay. This is a story that we find repeated in the New Testament, and we find it even in our own lives, because Jonah's disobedience here, everyone experienced God's discipline. If you notice in the story here in chapter 1, it tells us the storm arose and the people became frantic. What are we going to do? And they started tossing their food off and one box after the other and all the cargo went over into the sea to try to save themselves from this incredible storm. And finally, Jonah sizes up the situation. He said, well, you better toss me over because I'm the one that's running. And they did. And that's what they wound up doing, tossing them over into the sea. Kind of makes me mindful of the guy one time, the captain on board the ship, and he said, you know, anybody here know how to pray? They were in a storm. Things were being tossed to and fro all over the deck. Anybody here, anybody at all know how to pray? And this one guy pipes up and said, yeah, I can pray. And he said, good. You start praying, the rest of us will put life jackets on because we're one short. Disobedience, my friends, is like that. But you know, aren't you grateful it leads to deliverance when we turn and start running to God? And that is where this story starts heading. Deliverance brings devotion. I just love how chapter 3 starts when it says, The Lord came to Jonah a second time. Aren't you thankful for that? I'm so grateful that when we fail and fall, which we do, God doesn't throw us in the junk heap of life, but offers us another chance. I thank God today because failure is not fatal, nor is it final. And God allowed Jonah here, in spite of his disobedience, to go forth and actually be the preacher who led this greatest revival ever recorded in the Bible. And in fact, perhaps the greatest story of all time in all of history, when this one guy went and preached, and he had a powerful but simple message. It was mercy and judgment. And Jonah began to enter, the Bible says, into that city on the first day's walk, and he cried, yet 40 days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. And now notice, they had 40 days to get right, and that was mercy. And if they didn't get right, they would be overthrown, and that was the judgment. And I know we've all been hard on Jonah. We've all kind of pointed fingers at him and kind of thought that he was not maybe a great guy. 
But we need to give him his due because he preached the exact message that he was supposed to preach and fulfill what God was asking him to do. And he was not politically correct. Uh, you know, he was not a seeker-sensitive kind of guy, but he let it fly. And let me just tell you, that's what we need to do today, do we not? And in fact, that's the battle cry I'm going to pick up is to let it fly because that's exactly what Jonah did here. It's what God calls us to do. He says, arise and go to Nineveh, that great city, and preach the message that I tell you to preach. We need the whole counsel of God today. We need the story of love, but we also need the story of God's wrath. We need the story of heaven, but also to know that there is a hell and that there is mercy, but there is also judgment. And then lastly, we take away from this text today this incredible moment of devotion that really brought delight. Jonah does exactly hear what God told him to do, preach his word in the city. And we learn that God is always ready to extend forgiveness. If we're willing to repent, that's a real miracle, isn't it? Jonah is not just about a physical miracle of a phenomenal fish, but it's really a spiritual miracle of a gracious God because Jonah obeyed God and he had the privilege of seeing God do this amazing thing right before their eyes. And in one day, we've never, as far as I know, seen this recorded. One person's message going out in the entire city, it seemed, gave their life to God. In the unlikeliest of cities, the most unwilling of hearts, the most ungodly of people, God brought a revival. And friends, we need a revival today. And you know what? It starts with us when we repent and when we turn to God. You know, the church, our faith is not about ritual. It's about repentance. And I share that message with you today from the Old Testament, from the life of Jonah, to repent, give your life to God, and run with the Lord. Shall we pray? Holy God, we pray here this morning that your spirit would be upon hearts. We know these are such challenging times, so many difficult things. So often people want to turn a deaf ear to all of the Bible and pick and choose certain things, lift up certain verses, live a certain way. But Lord, we find as we examine your word, that we need repentance in our hearts and we need to be faithful to all you've called us to be. So we pray, God, as we come to this moment, that, Lord, if there is repentance that's needed here in this place today, that hearts would turn to you, that lives would be surrendered to your will, and that we might start to run with you. May we cast aside that Jonah attitude, that complex letting someone else do it and let us start running the race that you've called us to, to use the gifts and graces that you want us to, and to bless other people with your word. So hear our prayers this day. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.